Hello, and welcome back to Sunday Slow Jams, hosted by Michael Adams and John Rahimi. To the podcast. <laughs> welcome back to The Catch. Uh, we're happy to have you guys back. As you can tell, John and I are in a jazzy mood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, John is back hosting with me today for a double header of podcasts that we're going to be recording. So John, welcome to the podcast. What's new in your life? What's going on? You know, it's been a good day here at the seminary sorry i'll shut up uh no it's been good um exciting news uh my brother and his wife had their first daughter on friday oh my good morning yeah it was a very exciting day for us that's amazing congratulations to them yeah it was supposed to be um monday was their due date and then it got pushed back until friday and they got induced and then i texted him in the morning and said hey you know like praying for you guys hope everything goes well and safe delivery and all that. And he goes, Oh yeah. Like we're starting, you know, labor in an hour. I was like, great. Well, I'm going to do my holy hour right now. So that works, that works out well. And then as soon as I get out of my holy hour, I get a text that a picture of the baby's born. I was like, that was the quickest labor ever. Holy moly. <laughs> that was the quickest hour ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the credit that my prayers helped ease the the process a little bit instead of a 24 hour labor. You used to hear those horror stories of these poor mothers who have to go through like labor for forever. Uh, yeah, God was just kind of like, you know what, John, one out. <laughs> you earned this one for them. Good work. I was, I was thinking it'd be like, you know, 40 hours, you know, maybe, maybe 50 hours, but you know, John, you really did. We'll, we'll give it 20 minutes. How about that? How about that? Yeah. So baby Shireen Ruhi, Ruhi's my grandmother's name. So okay. very Pers- it's very Persian. <laughs> yeah. So we're excited to have a girl in the family. Finally. This is the first Rahimi girl. Yeah. This is incredible. This is monumentous. Huge. I bet your I bet your mom's excited for that. Oh, she's pumped. Yeah. yeah. So. My mom had the exact same reaction when we had the first girl in our family. She was like, Oh my goodness, a baby girl. What do I do with this? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm so used to only boys yeah. forever. <laughs> you don't want guns or trucks. What do I buy you? <laughs> I know we, we were watching my niece this uh this morning actually, and we asked my niece what she wanted to do. And my mom's like, Do you want to go put makeup on? Like they have like a bunch of like pretend play makeup mm. kind of toys. And her eyes like lit up. I was like, yes, please. I was like, I have never witnessed this before. Like, this is so different to be from an all boy family and like watch a little girl and like watch what they're interested in and watch what they want to play with. I was like, this is completely different than my experience as a child. Oh yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do when, cause they live in Texas. So like we'll see them occasionally, but if I had to like be around her as much as I'm around my godson, it'd be i'd be so confused because with brian at least i can just like hey you want to run around and go crazy he's like yeah it's like all right great let's just do that or like you want to watch paw patrol and he's like yeah like great like this is easy but with a girl you're like uh i don't know what to do here (laughs) mom dad what do i do with this (laughs) exactly yeah although brian's he's hilarious we were uh he came over the other day and we're all at our parents house and he wanted to watch i think we're watching clifford which was great for me because that was like my childhood was watching Clifford the Big Red Dog. So we're sitting there watching and we were like, oh, Brian seems pretty like in the zone. He's just staring intently at the screen. Not like no facial expression whatsoever. Maybe a little smile creeps up on his face. And then like we all kind of started talking have our own conversation because he was distracted. And he just looks at all of us and goes, shh, dada, quiet, Clifford. And then like just went back to looking at the screen. And my father's like, are you serious? <laughs> like, what just happened? <laughs> he's a champ <laughs> that's amazing i don't even know what my reaction would be if my nephew did that to me 
I feel like it's going to happen soon. Like he's definitely got that attitude. So yeah. just count the days. How old is he? he turns four in a month or oh. yeah, a little bit over a month, but dang. Yeah. Christmas Eve, baby. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's a cool day. Okay. Right around Christmas is a great time to have a birthday. All right. I will tell you, people always like, oh, is that a bad time to have a birthday? You don't get as many it presents. Is. It's not. It's great. Because why? Actually, I don't, I don't really know why. I just like having it then. It's kind of <laughs> nice. <laughs> I will say, I think like the Christmas Eve birthday for him was really fun for us. Um, I remember when his mom's water broke. It was after I'd just given her my, her, her gift from me for christmas and i remember like the entire night i was like my gift was that good that it induced labor <laughs> that's how good i am at giving gifts uh I'd, in retrospect i don't think that was it but i remember like when it happened i was like oh this is such like, a special date for him to share you know kind of like the same night I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool like there's a little connection there like anytime you hear like jesus's birthday it's like oh that's also my birthday i know i was born on the same day that george washington was born on and every single year, I'm like, it's kind of a cool connection that I have with George Washington. And I've always kind of felt a special connection with the U.S. president uh, for that reason. So maybe it works the same way with being born around Christmas. You're like, my birthday is really close to Jesus's birthday. So there's like a special connection there. I don't know. I like it. I like it. Yeah. You know what it is? I think it's having a birthday around Christmas time, at least in my family. Like we never, there wasn't a whole lot of like gift buying outside of the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. So no one really like bought gifts for each other for their birthdays. But when people are in the mood to buy presents around Christmas time, they're like, oh, we might as well throw in another one for John because, you know, it's his birthday and he's the youngest child and he's needy and yeah, whatever. So I would get gifts more than everyone else in my family. And I still do, which is <laughs> kind of a perk, but probably not a good thing. Get spoiled that way. But uh, perks of being the youngest of four. That's true. Happens. You know what that's like? Yeah, I do. I do. It's, it's, it's a good life, I must say. Yeah. Sex to be the oldest. It does. It does. Losers. Luckily, we don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah. You know, John, this has no connection to anything that we have talked about yet. But, you know, I, I did pre- prepare a topic for us to dive into today a little bit. It's mm-hmm. actually inspired by a book I recently read, which we've talked about, um, the, the St. Joseph Consecration. Oh. Um, you know, I, I, I went, got through it, uh, read it. It was, it was relatively pretty helpful. It was good to learn more about Joseph. There is mm-hmm. one chapter that really struck me though, and it's about uh, prudence and about how Joseph is kind of a model of pr- prudence. And although I don't really want to focus too much on Joseph specifically, maybe we'll talk talk about him maybe in a little bit towards the end. Okay. But okay. when I heard the word prudence, I had a lot of different connotations in my head because I think in like today's day and age, you always hear, oh, she's a prude or like, oh, you're such a prude, like those mm. kinds of things. And yeah. it's usually said in a negative connotation over a person who's maybe afraid or overly cautious mm-hmm. um, or even overly like modest, like modesty has now been replaced with prudence um, in like a negative way. You know, when somebody yeah. dresses modestly, it's like, Oh, they dress like a prude. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. That's a harsh term to put. But when we actually look at prudence, it actually doesn't mean anything negative at all so i kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about what prudence is and kind of how it applies to our lives mainly because when i read the word prudence and how joseph is so prudent i meant i went oh it's a good thing to be prudent almost like i knew it was a good thing i knew it's a virtue but still living in today's day and age i kind of thought of it in the negative connotation almost always Mm -hmm. so i i don't really know what you think about prudence but I, i wanted to ask you kind of what it what it meant to you a little yeah. bit of what, what, what prudence kind of means in your head when you hear the word. Um, yeah, the way that I 
learned it growing up because um, it got emphasized very heavily at Northridge in middle school and high school. Uh, I think the way they, they taught us was it's prudence is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason, which I think is very Aristotelian um, and Thomistic. Uh, but yeah, so that's what, that's what I thought. And I was like, Oh man, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> you got to get all three of those things, right? Golly. Um, to be able to do the right thing. Okay. Like I can, I can work through that, but like at the right time and for the right reasons, like I can get two out of three, maybe some of the time, but like, yeah, I, I always had a, a sense that like to be prudent is really difficult. That's always the kind of the sense that I've, I've had. And it's like, it takes a lot of effort to be a prudent person in like the, the real way, not just being like, I really think things through. It's like, no, I do things because I've thought them through. Like there's a both and there. Um, that's difficult to work, to work through. But um, yeah, that's kind of my sense of how, how prudence looks in, in someone's life. I think when you say that prudence, it, it comes across something that's very hard and difficult to do. I think that's actually true. And I think mm. that's kind of the purpose of it. Um, and I, today I really do want to focus on that and really want to focus on why Aquinas actually called it the principle of all virtues. Mm. Um, and he, he says this for many reasons. And the real purpose of it is, is that it is the guide to all other virtues. Mm. And I, I'm going to read the definition of prudence out of the catechism first, and maybe that'll help frame why he may have thought that. Um, but let me open up my trusty book. So this is from the catechism of the Catholic church. If you've ever heard of it, great book, <laughs> big fan, New York times bestseller. Um, but it says, prudence is the virtue that disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. It is not to be confused with timidity or fear, nor with duplicity or dissimulation. It is called the charioteer of all virtues. It guides the other virtues by setting rule and measure. Dang, I like that. It's it's a very just like straightforward, simple mm -hmm. definition. It was like, it made sense. Sometimes the catechism gets a little wordy for me. And I was like, oh man, everything hey. makes sense <laughs> in that. Um, but I really like what it said where it's the practical, it disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. And I think, again, that states exactly why it's so hard. Because if it is the guide to all virtues, then mm -hmm. prudence plays a factor in every single aspect of our lives and there's never a moment where we can just kind of put prudence on the side um like maybe with patience like there's nothing really calling upon your patience it's like okay well you don't really have to practice patience in these situations because it's not being challenged mm -hmm. every single second of our life we are called to actually practice prudence um it, it makes sense that it can be a little bit overwhelming of a task to really think about for sure yeah i think the image of the the chariot or was it charioteer right it says that in charioteer yes right greatest word ever um but uh it reminds me of because i'm studying philosophy right now of plato's chariot where he has uh the different parts of the soul kind of broken up mm -hmm. and you've got the reason as the charioteer uh and the two horses the spirit and desire one of them is a kind of you know crazy spirit and the other one's also kind of crazy but like more good and ones he says is evil um because Plato kind of hates the body and all that stuff. We don't need to get into that. The point is, <laughs> as it goes. Um, yeah, the point is that like that image of a, a chariot's good because yeah, the prudence is, you know, if it's the principle of of all the other virtues, it's kind of guiding these other, you know, moral virtues that deal with kind of those you know, more wily parts of our 
of our soul, like the, the irascible part, like where the anger and, and stuff comes in or the concupiscible part, um, you know, our, our desires for, you know, for love and all that stuff, um, more sensual things. So to have some principle guiding force in our life that can kind of put these in proper order is important. Otherwise you're kind of, like you said, you're going every which way and you're kind of blown all over with the wind. Mm -hmm. The way I've kind of thought of it after prepping for this podcast and reading this definition um, was that prudence is almost the initial virtue. So if you're faced with a situation, prudence is that initial virtue that has to be practiced. And from that initial virtue, it calls you into choosing the virtuous action, which Mm -hmm. calls upon a specific, maybe smaller virtue in each situation. So before you really practice the virtue of patience or chastity, whatever it may be, first, there must be that initial invocation of prudence and mm-hmm. inviting that into that situation and actually practicing that before you can even start thinking about being chaste or being patient with those around you. And that's kind of how I've started to frame it. But it is still kind of difficult at times to really think that you always have to be thinking prudence because honestly, maybe your experience is different. I know you were at Northridge where they really preach prudence a lot, but my experience with hearing the word prudence speak about within the church has been very little. I haven't really heard prudence preached about that much. Haven't really heard that great of a definition until of recent when I was reading this book. So I wanted to kind of ask you maybe why is this virtue? I don't know if I've taken for granted is the right word, but why does it seem a little bit more mystical or why is it maybe twisted more by today's society and by people of the church? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, right. If we're looking at this from a, uh, American standpoint, which we are, because that's the culture that we live in and we're, we're influenced by that. I think in the church in America and uh, most of our society, uh, people tend to focus more on the will than they do on, you know, reason and intellect and that kind of stuff. So, and that's, that's coming out of a, you know, puritanical Protestant influence. Um, and even some Augustine, like Augustine really emphasizes the will um, whereas Thomas doesn't as much, I mean, he does, but he focuses on the intellect more. So, uh, to have this kind of focus on our will and that be the driving force, like I just, I do what I want to do. I do what I desire. Um, prudence then seems to be some kind of like inhibition to my desire, to my will. Um, and if we have the very pragmatic, you know, utilitarian, um, individualistic mindset, uh, in America that we do, then, you know, for a Catholic person to go, Hey, like you need to be a little bit more prudent. Um, like you're just like ruining my fun here. You're telling me I can't do these, or I have to sit and think about this. Like really like, why can't I just do this? It kind of becomes like, uh, an obstacle to my enjoyment, to my happiness and all those things. Um, you know, and we see that on bigger scales and smaller scales. It doesn't have to always be like this, you know, debaucherous life that someone goes to leave. Like it just might be something small. Um, that's why prudence is so essential because it matters to quote the Thomistic Institute's website. It matters what you think. Um, and it does. So like, if we can think through these things and uh, you know, understand what we're doing, are we doing it for the right reason? Are we doing it at the right time? Um, like prudence becomes a very essential part of living and choosing what's really best for us. And I like what we kind of keep going back to is prudence isn't the lacking of a decision. And like, even like you said there, it is, it, it's, leads you into decision but it's not just that idea where if you're being prudent you're stuck idly by standing until you get this magical sign from god saying do this that that's not what prudence is it's very different from that actually and i also really enjoyed what you said about 
in American culture, we really focus on the will. What, what leads to my greatest pleasure? What leads to my greatest happiness? And it's a lot of inward looking um, ideology. And it kind of leads me to something that Father Michael Ca- or Father Donald Calloway actually said in his book. And he kind of frames it into two different types of prudence. The first is human prudence and the second is supernatural prudence. Mm. And so the first type of prudence, which we'll focus on is human prudence, which this one it focuses on avoiding difficulty, avoiding suffering and avoiding hardship. It is more of a self-centered in our own well-being and our own pleasure, where we think we think out our decisions and we think out our actions. But the way that we frame these decisions is which decision will lead to greater happiness, which decision will lead to better fulfillment for myself, which one will lead to more success, more money, whatever it is. And that is kind of the way that prudence has now been twisted within our human mindset. I wanted to ask you if you have you seen that, have you experienced it? What do you what do you kind of think of that idea that he poses? Like the distinction between two different kinds? It really just first the human prudence, you know, that, that idea of avoiding suffering leading to self-fulfillment at, yeah. at cost of anyone doesn't matter the cost of others it's really just my happiness no matter what it does to someone else kind of like what you're we talking about actually right before we podcast with the founder the movie about oh. mcdonald's <laughs> yeah uh, and about i do whatever i need to do to succeed and to be happy yeah. and to be revered but at the cost of everyone else and but it doesn't matter that it costed anyone else because i am growing and i am becoming better in the eyes of the world yeah i think um what you said there about avoidance of suffering at any cost for myself so i'll do whatever it takes to you know be successful and not have to worry about that kind of stuff um i'm sure there's tons of you know things we could point to about where that influence is coming from and how that permeates in our culture but um right that's one of like you see this kind of um the more spiritual people who don't really have necessarily religion, but they just kind of like want to practice some spiritual thing. It's coming out of this, uh, some, I shouldn't say all, but like you look at California is a good example of this, where there's kind of this Buddhist influence of, Hey, like your movement is toward, um, uh, getting away from suffering, eliminating suffering in your life. But the way that it happens is that I say that you do not exist. Like everything is just one. So I destroy your individuality. Um, and so people do this, like I can destroy your individuality if I have that mindset and then just not have to worry about suffering. So I can just, you know, plow through you. So charity kind of gets thrown out the window. Um, and so you can't love. Um, and so how does that apply to prudence? Well, great question. I really don't know, but it's an interesting thought. But if we're, if we're going to like live that way, I guess prudence doesn't really have a place in our life then, right? Like why do I need to like sit and, and meticulously think through things with regards to others. I mean, I might sit and think through like, how does this work out well for me? Like you know, this business decision or, you know, choosing to marry this person or, you know, whatever. Um, so that's that human prudence I think you're, you're talking about. Exactly. Um, which is why I really was happy that he brought up two different types of prudence because yeah. human prudence, it, it really doesn't seem like prudence in itself. When you actually look at it in face value, it really just looks like, again, belittling everyone around you for your own, well-being and your own upward success push but he does offer another one like i said and he calls this one the supernatural prudence um, and supernatural prudence and what it, what it's defined as is doing what is right for the sake of love of god and neighbor no matter how much we suffer for it um, i'll say it one more time it is doing what is right for the sake of love of god and neighbor no matter how much we suffer for it interesting yeah so 
I guess he's thinking through like, what, what do we, what do we do in, in circumstances where there is a challenge or where there's suffering and then framing it in that way, which is different I, from the other one. I think so. So I think his definition of supernatural prudence is not all encompassing of actually what prudence is, Yeah. but it's the distinction of kind of the decision, make decision making and actually practicing prudence in the way that we're often told we should be in comparison yeah. to what we should be. So in, with human prudence, it's often do what is right for you, no matter the cost of others. Whereas mm. supernatural prudence is we're doing what ought to be done. We, we do it because we love God. Uh, we do it because we love our neighbor. And those are also motivating factors within our decisions. It's kind of like you said with the whole Buddhism idea of I can look at you and I can take away all of your individualism. And now I can just plow through you and not feel any remorse. Whereas this, it's we remember the value of the person in front of us, as well as we remember the love of God for us and our love for God. And now that is a motivating driving factor within our decisions. Um, it's kind of like if you're going to make a big, big decision for your family, you wouldn't first go make that decision without consulting your family and saying, yeah. this is this is the decision I'm thinking about making. Can we talk about this? It's the same thing with God of, okay, I am faced with this big challenge or this big question, or even something very simple like, I'm faced with how to really interact with this person today. Um, and actually just taking time to pray and discern over that and letting the love of God and the love of your neighbor be the driving factors of your action that comes after it. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, inviting, you know, the Lord to come in and, and help you make the decision. Cause it's about him, right. If we're saying like, you know, God's kind of the, framework for how we're making our decisions he's providing that for us then like yeah we should probably you know get him in on the conversation a little bit um and i think that's where uh i was watching a video of father gregory pine my boy yeah he's a total stud gosh the guy's just impressive um but he was talking about like uh the gift of counsel or the gifts of the holy spirit that the gift of counsel is an important part of being a prudent person and praying for that right because it's a gift it's not just something like you know, you can work on being a prudent person by, you know, learning how to use your reason properly to choose um, and discern between, you know, options and doing the right thing and what's really good. And you can do all that as a human. Um, but there comes a certain point where you need the grace of God to come and touch that, that virtue to really elevate it so you can uh, live it to its fullest capacity. And that's where the gift of counsel comes in, right? Because that's where that deliberation of seeing like, okay, what are all the paths here that I can take to to execute this action um, lest, lest we just become stuck and petrified. Your words are too wise for me, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not mine. They're Father Gregory. So yeah, whenever Father Gregory <laughs> speaks, I'm usually speechless though. Cause yeah. he's, he's my boy. I'm hooked on his podcast right now myself. So do you have a podcast? He does. He does do one. Oh, the, no, the Dominicans in the Eastern province do one together. Oh gosh. So, it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Do check that one out as well, everyone. But um. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying here and that idea of just inviting God in. And again, I think even as we talk about prudence, we talk about what it is, something that's still hard for me to do and maybe you as well is how do I actually practice prudence? Yeah. Especially when I haven't been. If you're going from not really even understanding what prudence is to now knowing, okay, prudence is something that's vital for me. I need to actually use this in life, but I didn't know what it was until this Monday mm -hmm. to actually understand and learn this new virtue and try to figure out how to put that into your life and practice it is very challenging and also just a little intimidating for me. So 
you know, how do we actually go forward with, okay, now we know what prudence is. We know that it's important. We know that it is the charioteer and guide of all other virtues mm-hmm. that we are bound to kind of go just aimlessly in all different types of directions and more than likely struggle in many of our big decisions. And for someone who's very indecisive, probably struggle with even more indecisiveness when we aren't practicing prudence. Yeah. We, we understand that we really need this in our lives, but where do we start? How do we become prudent? How do we become slowly able to let go of our own trained habits and our trained ways and start to practice this new virtue that we just came to know about. Yeah. I mean, like at the outset, right. It's gotta be, we have to have the understanding that it's going to be, like you said, a slow process. This does not happen overnight. Like I know I have to remind myself of that constantly that I cannot just think, you know, tomorrow after I prayed for prudence and I tried to be prudent today, like I'll be, I'll be the same way tomorrow. It's like, no, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stick with it. And it's a slow process that, that takes a long time. Um, and there's the, the ups and downs of that. Um, you know, but I think what you're saying, like, right. If I'm, if I'm not practicing it, those big decisions are really going to be really going to be scary. They're really going to be paralyzing. Um, and it just made me think of the gospel today, um, where the Lord's parable says for the guy who has the, the talents, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant, since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. That's like a pretty daunting thing to hear, but you know, it's that faithfulness in the small matter. So where does, where does prudence start? It has to start in the small matters. You can't just be like, I'm going to really try to be prudent um, in thinking about where I'm going to move to and start my new job and career. It's like, okay, you know, that's going to be really terrifying. Maybe start with like, um, you know, I've got five minutes right now. What should I do with my time? Um, or, you know, um, someone's asking me to do this thing for them right now. Okay. Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home as a, as a chore or something like that. Like, okay, how do I prudently go about doing this thing or responding to them? Um, it's in really small, everyday, ordinary matters that this needs to start building up. Otherwise, like, yeah, those big moments are going to be like just destructive for us. Um, and then it's then when we can get those great responsibilities that the Lord offers us, we can, we can handle them. Like, we don't see the reaction of the servants here, but my imagination is that like they would be, yeah, great. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm overjoyed to receive those great responsibilities from the Lord. I'm not terrified. No, 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 no. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do if that comes like, no, like I've got this. I know that I've been good and faithful and the Lord has recognized that. And he will provide again, as he has in the past. I'm honestly, this is kind of a weird uh, segue, but I'm reminded of my high school basketball coach used to say, Mm. you know, the small things make the big things happen. If Mm. you want a big play to happen, it starts by a small effort. Um, Yeah. Maybe that's diving on the ground. Maybe it's running a little extra hard down the court, whatever it may be. Those are the things that actually make big plays happen. Yeah. And I love what you're saying here that we can't just wake up one day and say, I am going to perfect prudence today (laughs) and I'm going to go out and I'm going to face this incredible discernment. I'm going to go face my vocational question. Is God calling me to the religious life or is God calling me to marry this person? You can't just wake up the next day and say, I know what prudence is now. So I'm going to practice that and I'm going to make that decision today. Like, I'm going to go pray and I'm going to make that decision. Like, that's just not how it's going to work. And as someone who has gone through those situations, it does not work that way. And it's really frustrating to put that pressure on yourself. <laughs> so I, I really like how you broke it down where it can be as simple as the five minutes. You have five minutes of free time. What, what are you going to do with that five minutes? What ought you do with that five minutes? And it kind of leads me into action items of, you know, what do we actually do? And I want to keep just going back to, prudence is not indecision. And I don't want it to get confused with that. I don't want it to get confused with, again, being overly cautious. And I think even in Mm -hmm. the catechism, it talks about um, 
it is not to be confused with timidity. Right. Yeah. And it's not like scrupulosity too. So I think that's the, the tricky thing. Even when I said that, I was like, no, we got to clarify because like when we say, you know, what ought I to do? There's a really easy trap to fall into. It says like, you you make a choice and then you look back on it and go, you know, I, I ought to have done this. You know, it's like, the classic example I always use over and over again that I struggled with for a while was like, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. I can't keep my eyes open reading this book anymore. Um, I should probably like stop and take a nap or like just rest. But what ought I to do? Like, well, I need to read this for class and to, you know, be a better, you know, what are, all these things. Then I just try to push through and like, I end up killing my body over that. Um, and then like, I'm no help to anyone. Um, but I was thinking of what ought I to do. So we have to make sure we like understand like the the balance of things and being like, you know, there's a, we might order our, our values in a certain way, but we need to be discerning of those too and be like, Hey, it's prudent for me to take a nap right now. Um, even though I ought to like, this thing seems really good. I can't do that right now. I need to do this other thing right now. So just like be careful of falling into that trap of like, if I ought to do it, like don't become a slave to that. I, I think that's an important distinction and, I know for me, when I would be studying, I would fall in the same trap where it's like, I have an exam tomorrow, but I really can't stay awake anymore. I have to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's like, I ought to stay up and probably do another two hours. And instead I would take a 30 minute nap and I'd wake up in 30 minutes and I'd be like, okay, now I can do another two hours myself. I probably ought to have just stayed up and done the full two and a half hour study session. But now I had 30 minutes nap and now my next two hours, I'm much more invigorated, much more focused. Um, so yeah, do do show yourself some leniency in that, that mention. But I think, again, not to dive into Joseph too much, but he is a very example of prudence. Um, if you're ever interested in looking more into him. And one of the things that you, we can look to his life and kind of model our own actions and actually practicing prudence that he did very well um, was that he prayed, he discerned, and then he acted. Um, and he didn't question his discernment. He, once he did his prayers, once he truly discerned his decisions and once he was actually came to found the solution or came to found the action item, he didn't question that. He didn't get insecure in that. He made the decision and acted on it. Uh, and that's just another way of me trying to flush out that idea of prudences, caution and prudences and decision. Um, it's patience and it's not impulsive, but it's still doing something. And it's not just sitting around waiting for God's will to come to you and you to be struck down and said, this is what you are to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can be, it can be both, right? It doesn't always, I think people get this in their head. Like if you're prudent, you're someone who's really like, you know, always takes a step back to like think through everything they do. Um, and that like the, you know, the person who just kind of is making choices and, and doing things is, you know, some rash impulsive person. Um, but it can be both. Um, you know, there are, very practical examples of this, for instance, like and it comes from habituation as you kind of learn these things, you become more confident in them and you're, but you're prudent. You've learned them and you've discerned them and you've, you've understood that they're good for you. So like the example that Father Gregory used is that, you know, you go to a stop sign. Um, you've done that so many times driving a car that you know, like what I did, what am I supposed to do? But you don't like stop at the stop sign and go, okay, you know, let me think about this. Is it good that I go through the stop sign to the other side? Do I need to now think about, okay, how are like the cars gonna react when i go through this like all these crazy like no we just kind of do it we just mm-hmm. it's spontaneous because we've done it so many times um but all those things have, have happened before that that process of um prudence has, has taken place um, but it can look like a spontaneous action 
So yeah. yeah, not to like scare people thinking like if you ever have a decision to make, you need to, you know, sit around on it and think about it. It's like, no, you can be yeah. spontaneous and quote unquote impulsive in doing that. Like you can be quicker in your prudence as you mm-hmm. grow in it. That's kind of yeah. what virtue does. It becomes a part of you. I completely agree. Um, but it does start with actually yeah. allowing it to be a part of you um, yeah. and to start practicing it in slow, mm-hmm. small ways and allowing that to build. Um, and trusting that when the time is right, when you actually have to practice prudence in the big ways, again, that you are ready and that you have been practicing it in the small ways and that yeah. you are ready to make jumps and you're ready to make leaps of faith. Mm-hmm. And prudence does not also mean complete confidence in what you're doing. Right. Right. There's going to be doubt that creeps in. There's going to be, of course, question marks that pop up. And um, as John and I both do very many times in our life of questioning mm-hmm. ourselves and questioning our decisions, um, I, I can guarantee that that won't go away, but it, it can allow you to find peace and find confidence within decisions still. Right. And even like the stop sign example, right? Like you go through the stop sign, there's still a, a, there's still a hint of caution as you look to side to side because there could be a car that just decides, you know, screw it. I'm blowing the stop sign and they can yeah. T-bone you. Right. But, so there's that element of caution. Like there's always that there's never a hundred percent certainty. So we need to get out of that mindset thinking, even if I'm prudent or if I am prudent, I'll become a hundred percent certain that will never happen. You can ask God for surety um, and assurance, um, but never, never certainty because we just don't know. Yep. He does. So just trust in that. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the hard thing to deal with in, in prudence is like, I can make this decision and I have to trust then that it will be for the good. Cause I don't know the exact outcome that will come of it. Exactly. It's always, there's always some level of letting go of your own self, mm-hmm. but John, that's, that's all I have today for prudence. Uh, this is actually very helpful for me as an individual to hear your thoughts on it. Um, do you have any closing remarks? Uh, don't call people prudes. <laughs> Unless you're trying to compliment them, then you can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a backwards compliment. I mean, yeah. if you're thinking of prudence in a good way, it could be. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> prude, prude is a, uh, just don't do it. Actually, it's probably just best because there'll be misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, shout out to Father Gregory for his, for his insights into Father Donald. Yes. If you guys are interested, um, and some really great spiritual insights um, and just a very intellectual being when it comes to the faith, make sure to check out Father Gregory Pine. There's a lot of his stuff on YouTube. Um, like I said, he's a he has his own podcast called Godsplaining um, with a couple of his um, brother Dominicans. And he's also a frequent guest on Pints with Aquinas with Matt Frad. So make sure to check out him. He, he is my dude. And if you're interested in learning more about St. Joseph and uh, how he practiced his prudence, make sure to check out the consecration of St. Joseph by Father Donald Calloway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for you here at the, today at The Catch. Um, and before we let you go, I want to mention two awesome opportunities we have. The first is with Covenant Eyes. If you are suffering with pornography, please check out the link in the bio. Uh, Covenant Eyes can directly help you overcome this battle. Um, and if you use the link in the bio, you'll be able to get a 30 day free trial, which is very exciting. Um, and secondly, our good friends over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries, who you guys have met Adam and you have also met Mick. Make sure to check out the link in the bio to see all that they have offered right now. And, uh, I'll, I'll put the 10% coupon also in the bio for you guys to check out if you're interested in a nice fun birthday slash Christmas gift as that's coming up too. But that's all we have for you here today at the catch. Uh, Oh, sorry. This is all we have for you today at Sunday Slow Jams. Be sure to keep it classy out there, okay? Very nice. (laughs) All righty, everyone. You guys have a good Monday. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.